Hey everyone, it's your girl, your auntie, your friend, and your host of the show, TK. Our mission is simply to bring knowledge and information to inspire and help young men and women in the community transform their lives. Welcome to the Back and Forth TV podcast. All right, everyone, welcome to the show. It's your girl, TK. Welcome back. I'm so excited to be back in the studio. We took a little break. And so now we're back in here doing it big. And special thanks to Level 4 uh, Studio for hosting our podcast. They are doing really big things in the city. So if you need anything production-wise, podcast-wise, hit up Level 4 Studio. You can find them on social media, Facebook and Instagram. Um, What's I going to (laughs) say? Today, oh, today, <laughs> today. Completely I don't know. Did you want us to I take over? <laughs> so, what she was going to tell you was today on the we'll podcast. All right. So, for my podcast listeners, um, if you're listening for the first time or you're returning, make sure that you rate and review. It just makes my podcast more discoverable. And then engage with me on social media. Instagram, Facebook. I'm also on Twitter. I'm still learning how to use it, but I'm there too. <laughs> and then also make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel because I actually post the videos of the show if you want to watch that from time to time. Um, so on the show, I have two young women that are very near and dear to my heart. Ooh, um, I get to on be the young show today. <laughs> oh, thank God. She's my friend. And that is Mrs. Angel Smith and Mrs. Michelle Will Hill. And they are on here to talk about um, their journey surviving breast cancer. Um, So I think it's a very good topic to dive into because so many people deal with it at so many ages and different levels. Um, So they're going to be sharing their experience with us today. Before we start, though, um, I'd like to give you guys a chance to just introduce yourselves, you know, just a little bit about you. Where you're from, whatever you want to share. Hi. <laughs> um, so I am 57 years old. Um, I actually had breast cancer in 2006 when I was 43, 44. Um, in my professional career, I work for Colorado Springs Utilities uh, as an environmental specialist. I've been there going on 19 years, and I will never forget that time because two months after I had my daughters when I started working there. um, In my career, I've had a lot of great experiences, not only just um, with my job, but also being able to work out in the community and getting involved in a lot of civic engagement opportunities. So um, some of the things that I like to do... um, outside of my job and that I've participated in um, is serving our youth through uh, organizations like African-American Youth Leadership Conference. I volunteered for that. Uh, Educating Children of Color Summit. I'd just like to give shout outs to those because it's very important um, to support our youth. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, On another note, I am a mother. Um, I have a daughter that, woohoo, I'm flashing Denver University. (laughs) It was such a blessing to be able to get her into that uh, college because it's not very easy to Mm -hmm. get her in there. Um, And I've been married 20 years in November. I can't believe it. Just keep blinking. (laughs) That's what happens. You have kids and have, you know, a marriage that 
continues to last. So um, my side things that I like to do, I'm very active in my church. Um, I just started working on the media team, which I'm really very excited about that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And um, in my spare time, whatever that's supposed to be, I do enjoy baking. So, you know, call a sister. I could hook up a lemon pound cake, red velvet, yeah. I'm just saying, those are my specialties. So that's it. Hi there. Yes, ma'am. I'm Angel Rathel. Um, I am 30 years old, just turned 30 this month. Um, I'm married. I have a little boy also. Can we do something again? No, girl. Keep no, going. you're doing fine. Okay, so I'm married. I've been married for seven years this month, this year. Um, I have one son. And is it seven years? About seven years. Six years. Is it six years? Six, seven years of married. Wow. Yeah. It's going by fast. Um, I'm a college graduate. Graduated from Carl State University, Pueblo, with an English degree. Um, before my cancer diagnosis, I was working at um, the Pueblo Library District in the Youth Services, Services Department. So I also did a lot of um, literacy advocate i was a literacy advocate so getting children to read books and stuff like that doing stuff in the community with kids um in my spare time i like to read i like to sing um i'm very family oriented so um just spending time with my family is um the best thing i like to do on my downtime um on the side i also do a little writing as well so um that's pretty much it about me yes she's definitely multi-talented yes she is and didn't you pledge Yes, AKA. She's an AKA. So <laughs> if you need a sister um, and you're That's an AKA, also, right there. Mm-hmm. reach yes. out to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she can sing too. Yeah, <laughs> yes, she can sing. And so, just so you guys know, like these women, we, I've known them my entire life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Literally, Angel and I, we were childhood best friends. Mm-hmm. And then um, Michelle, well, hell, you've known me since. I tried to pick you up when you were in a baby carrier. <laughs> I picked her up and I put her right back down on the floor. Oh no, this sister! <laughs> no, it's been a joy watching you grow up. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so before we dive in, um, I always like to start with an icebreaker question, and the question is: If you could sit down with your thirteen-year-old self, what would you say, and why? My thirteen-year-old self was not at the level of confidence that I am and have had to be now. So I would have said, you know, you're beautiful and you're worth it. And don't limit yourself on what you can try. Um, Don't be afraid to try. That's what I would have said to my 13-year-old self. And some things I would have done a lot differently Probably at that starting point. So mm-hmm. that's my answer to that question. Mm-hmm. I think I would say something similar to that. And also um, that you're stronger than you think. That um, you'll come whenever you come against things, don't like sometimes you pull back when you, get, when you come against obstacles in life. But I would tell her to just keep pushing, um, put your head down and just do the work and then you'll get to where you need to be. What would I say? <clears throat> what would you say? Uh, I was very hard headed. No, so listen, to listen. No, yeah, I wasn't listening to nobody. Like, I not, listen, I'm gonna do what I want to do. Who's, who's your mom? 
<laughs> yes, I'm definitely my parents' daughter, but um, I think I probably would have told myself to just, you don't know everything. Listen to someone else sometimes. And I think I even still struggle with that sometimes. Like if I have something in my mind, unless I'm convinced otherwise, I'm kind of proceeding forward. So mm-hmm. that's probably what I would have told myself. Definitely. That's good. Hard headed. I agree with that too. <laughs> yeah, I, too. I wanted to well, be compliant. <laughs> I wanted to be compliant because my mom and dad, they're from yeah. the old school. The <laughs> You do what I say and I'm going to shoot you a look. And if I have to come over there, it's on. So just really <laughs> wasn't true. much trying them. So yeah. my parents were like that too, but Mine I too. still, I still tried my luck sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, let me see what happened. <laughs> my mom told her, and I don't remember this. Apparently when I was five, she was saying that, um, I guess she told me something like, well, I wasn't born yesterday, Karen. And I was like, well, neither was I. Mom. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> And she was just shocked. I think I was like four or five or something Mm -hmm. at that time. But and the rest is history. The rest is history. (laughs) I have a big mouth, Um, but it's paid off for me well so far. Awesome. So getting into the topic, surviving breast cancer. Um, And first of all, I want to thank you both for coming on the show because I know. You know, I think going through that can be difficult and hard to share sometimes. So I appreciate you guys willing to share your story. Um, So take us back. Um, Before you found out the news, what prompted you to go and get checked, you know? Um, Well, for me, I think two years prior, my aunt had passed away from breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And um, when she initially found it, it was too late for her. So it was like it was... It was too late for her, basically. So, and she didn't have anybody to advocate for her, really. So, um, that kind of put a light bulb bulb off in my head. And then also, um, I'd always been told like to do breast checks. Like, I think the first time I heard about it was um, in the youth conference, the leadership youth conference in in the Springs. Um, they were telling us, showing us how to do it, and um, it, it nobody know about knows about cancer like when you're younger. You don't think anything of it. You don't think it's. I mean, you know about it, but it's just like it doesn't really make an impact on you so um two years my my aunt passed away and then like a year prior or a year after that my mom had brought us to me again and told us make sure that we're doing it and um I was like I really need to t- start taking care of myself and cause I had other family members that had passed away from cancer or they had cancer so I was just like um I need to stay on top of my health so I went to my doctor and I was like um I told her the situation and at the time I think I was I was 27, and she was saying that I was too young to get, like, mammograms at the time. And being that it was my aunt and not my mom, they didn't have, like, a big concern that I would get breast cancer. So they just mm-hmm. kind of, like, not necessarily pushed it off, but they're just like, you don't have anything to worry about right now, but just make sure you continue to do your breast checks. So um, I started feeling, like, sometimes I would feel tired, like, really, really tired. And then there were some other things that were going on, and I didn't know what it was. And I remember mentioning my, mentioning my mom. I was like, I wonder if you can check, like, your hormone. Can doctors check your hormone balances? Or, like, maybe it's my iron. And I went to the doctor, got that checked out. And my iron was low, so they gave me iron pills or whatever. And they kind of sent me on my way. And then um, I had a, this is a lot of information, but I had a miscarriage, like, a year before, like, mm-hmm. in October. And the doctors were saying that my progesterone and my estrogen was really low. But they didn't know why. So, and that was like 
at the time that, it, that they didn't bring anything, they didn't cause any concern either. Just like try again, maybe um, then you have more success. So um, March came around when the pandemic started, and um, my mom, my mom and dad came out came into town. This is like weird how it was set up. My mom and dad were in town, and um, my mom stayed for like a month. And the next month in April, I had found a lump, and. The only, way I, only reason why I was paying attention is because my mom had brought it up to me again. So I did that check, and I found the lump all of a sudden. And I set up a doctor's appointment. I called the doctors. And um, being that I couldn't, we couldn't come in the hospital or doctor's office that soon, mm-hmm. they ended up setting, an appointment, setting up an appointment for me anyway. So um, I came into the doctor's appointment. They checked everything. Um, and they saw the lump, and they're like, well, you're young, so we don't really think it's anything, but we'll still set up a biopsy. So... Um, they set up the biopsy like a month later. I was trying to get them to do it sooner, but they, they were booked, I guess. So they did it like that next month. And um, it was like a week before my anniversary, my husband's my, our anniversary. We got the biopsy. They were still saying that it wasn't that big of a deal. And then like that Monday, they called me. I actually called them because um, I was just like, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know I didn't think that it would be cancer. Mm-hmm. So um, I called the doctor's office. They, the doctor wasn't in at the time. She's like, she needs to talk to you. I was like, well, can you just give my results now? And they're like, no, the doctor needs to talk to you. I was like, okay, something's not right. Mm-hmm. So I called um, on my way to work. I was on, on my way to work that morning. And I was like, um, I called her. And I was like, we could talk now. And she FaceTimed me. Everything. Um, I had bad connection. But I, when I got to work, I was able to talk to her. And she was just like, um, so tell me what happened. And she, tell me how you found the lump. I was like, I just happened to find it. And she's like, well, it is carcinoma. She said carcinoma. That's the word she said. And at first I was like, what is that? She's mm-hmm. like, you have cancer. And I just immediately like just started crying. Cause I was just like, like I knew something was wrong, you know? So mm-hmm. just like so... And they didn't know what the stage was. They didn't know, like, all the information about it. So at the time, I was just like, okay. So I was frustrated because, like, why would you call me? You don't know, like, what the stage is and mm-hmm. how we can fight this. So um, I was just, um, I called, I told my boss I couldn't come in. I drove home, called my husband, then called my mom. And um, it just kind of, everything kind of went from there. Um, one thing, I was in... The doctor's office I started off with, I didn't end up, they didn't treat, they didn't take care of my treatment because they were very like nonchalant about it. Like not necessarily nonchalant, but they weren't, they didn't have the same urgency that we had. Like we knew that it, I'm cancer. When you think of cancer is like, are you going to mm-hmm. die? Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like what, mm-hmm. what do I have to do? How much time do I have before? Um, like, will I die from it? Mm-hmm. So I was just like, um, they were like, well, they were saying they would take it would take months for me to be able to get the treatment start treatments. So I was like, oh no! So we found a doctor in this, um, in this area, and um, they were a lot more um, efficient. They um, like a week after, or the, I, I called them, and like a couple of days after that, they set an appointment for us to get the talk or have the talk. And from there, I had end up the next month. I got surgery, and then I started chemo August. I want to say, and then um, I did four rounds of treatment. And yeah, and then I'm I got done October twelfth, and yeah, I'm done now. <laughs> so excited! We'll okay, we're so excited. <laughs> yes, we excited. are. You know, okay. What was the question again? <laughs> was it the um, moment of time? Well, no. It's just about what led you to go get checked. Oh, that's right. 
Um, I was so engrossed in your conversation. I was like, oh. And as you're talking, <clears throat> I actually was um, reminiscing because, you know, now we're talking 14 years ago. Um, so the moment in time, um, there's a blessing in having little boobies because if there's mm-hmm. something different, you could see it. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was 2005. And it's interesting that you mentioned about being tired all of the time and just quite not mm-hmm. feeling right. And I actually had started going in and having annual mammograms. Um, and so the nurse practitioner had prescribed me to go in and, and do um, an extensive mammogram. And I had sat on that script for an entire year because at that time uh, Rachel was – a little girl, and my focus as a new mom, um, and shout out to new moms because it's so hard to wrap around all the stuff that you need to do and to take care of. Um, but I thought I was doing what I was supposed to, which was worry about everybody else but myself. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the things that was very interesting, my mother has a condition called uh, fibrocystic disease, in which you develop these lumps, and they're they're filled with fluid, and they burst inside um, your body. But you still have to kind of watch out for them because they can turn cancerous. And so I would notice changes with my menstrual cycle. This lump that I found, it would, you know, increase and decrease. And I thought, well, maybe these are just hormonal changes. And so I'm not really thinking something really is going on. And I finally, the next year, decided, okay, let me go and see what this is. And so I will never forget because they did the the needle biopsy. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that needle? Yeah. Girl, that needle is this long. I couldn't look at it. And Why are they sticking I'm that? like, the, the two, where are you supposed to put that? Because I'm not that big oh like that. And where is that going? And so I'm like. Uh, <laughs> Lord, <laughs> like, really? you what are we doing today? <laughs> and so they st- that thing hurt. Too. Yeah, it did. Ooh, and to pull out this little old long sliver. Okay, that was too much information. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at Kevin's face. He's like, oh. Um, but anyway, so I will never forget because like you, um, I was on my way to work. I was on Powers. Not really a smart thing to do, but the phone rings and I said, hello. And they said, "Um, Michelle, um, we have something we need to tell you about. And that's the fact that um, you do have breast cancer. And I was like, okay. Um, So we're going to schedule all these appointments for you. And so, you know, it was really hard for me to have to call my mom first. And her first words were, oh, dear. And I will just never forget how she said it, you know. Um, and so that's, I found the lump myself, but I made the mistake that so many of us make is that, um, you know, I'll, I'll take care of it eventually, but I need to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, P. That's what my priority was. And so it's really a huge mistake because that would have cost me my life. If Definitely. the cancer that I had um, at the time was a fast grower or a different type, I wouldn't be here having this conversation. Mm-hmm. So, 
that's, that's a story. good point. Um, because I think a lot of women, we juggle so many things. We have children, we have careers, we have, you know, husbands or significant others that we're trying to take care of. Then you also have maybe parents that are getting older, too, that you have to make sure that you're taking care of. So sometimes we always put ourselves last yeah. mm-hmm. and we can know something's wrong. We'll still just, you know, mm-hmm. continue on like nothing's happening. Yeah. Um, so it's important to make sure that we pay attention to our bodies. I do want to back up just a little bit, though. Um, so for my listeners, what I want you to know is Angel, she's 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Um and sometimes when we think about breast cancer, we think this happens to older women. Right. Um, and that's not the case anymore. It happens to young women as well Absolutely. and men too. Absolutely. Um, and so I think the important thing that I took from that is making sure that you pay attention to your body. Because if you weren't paying attention, no right. one ever would have found it. And definitely there's, in fact, there, I've seen women that are younger than me that like, I saw a girl that's like 18 that got breast cancer mm-hmm. so it doesn't i mean in, in most of the time when you're younger and you get it it's more aggressive mm-hmm. so if you get it before the age of 50 i believe it is they say it's usually more aggressive in that for mm-hmm. women that age and then also they were saying that black women yes it's most of the time we when we get it it's more aggressive when we get it when we're younger for some yes. reason mm-hmm. so um i think that's a huge thing to let women know to make sure that you are i mean we can't get mammograms just because our t- the way our tissue is at that age they can't really see some things that with the mammograms at the age. So that's why they don't give us mammograms at, at that young. Mm-hmm. But it's very important that you check yourself. Make sure that you're doing the breast exams whenever you, I mean, whenever you think of it. I mean, if you have, whenever you think of it, just make sure that you check your body. Or if you're feeling any kind of type of way, you're tired or something doesn't seem off, make sure that you do contact your doctor just because, I mean, it could save your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think that's very important. Um, so yeah. Absolutely. And, um, Along with, you know, checking yourself, it's really good to ask those questions of your family and making yes. sure that you know what your family history mm-hmm. is. Yes. Um, until I got cancer, um, I knew my grandmother had had cancer, um, but I didn't realize that her two sisters, they all had it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so knowing that I you know, really am going to challenge my daughter um, because not only have I had it, but I have another cousin who's had it mm-hmm. and her mother had it and died oh, wow. from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my uncles, um, he's had, um, they were called precancerous cells that he had removed from his breast. So, you know, it's not just a woman's disease. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very important, like I say, to know what your history is because it might not just be the females. It could be the males also. And I like to tell people that, you know, that movie Shaft, mm-hmm. the original <laughs> Shaft was mm-hmm. Richard Roundtree. He had breast cancer. Mm. And so, it, you know, it has no discrimination of who it will impact or affect in their body. All good points. And I also think, too, because sometimes doctors will tell you, oh, you're fine. Nothing's wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And so some a lot of people, I think, walk away. They're thinking like, well, my doctor said nothing's wrong with me. And if you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, They just they don't they don't take it seriously. And so if you know, then go get a second opinion or just keep because it seems like that's what you did is you kind of just kept going to the doctor and just, Mm -hmm. you know, testing to see what else could be wrong. So. Um, I wanted to uh, kind of interject because I know that you're living in Pueblo. Mm-hmm. I'm not really 
saying this to bash Pueblo, um, but my father just recently uh, passed away of a form of lung cancer called mesothelioma. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I will say is I always was very mistrustful of the care that he was receiving Mm -hmm. down there. And so when you're speaking to them being really nonchalant about um, getting you towards a diagnosis and, and, and treating you um, be aware of where you're at too. Um, you are your best advocate. And if you got to go to another city to figure that out, I encourage you to do that. I, I think that my father, you know, when it's time to go, it's time to go. Mm-hmm. But I think that the level of care, because we had to keep asking questions like, how come you haven't staged? Right. What's the stage? I had to ask those questions. So mm-hmm. those things are very important. You know, it's a lot easier to treat a stage one than it is a stage three. And by stage four, that's metastasized and mm-hmm. gone other places. So uh, I was stage two B. That meant that the size of the lump that I had was two and a half centimeters, and it also spread into a lymph node. Um, And actually, when I had to have the surgery, because I went through um, I went through chemo first to reduce the size. Then I had the surgery. Um, I responded very well um, to the chemo. So then it just was a removal of tissue or margin of area around where the the cancerous tumor was. Um, But it had spread into my lymph nodes. And so two were cancerous, but I have had 11 removed. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also went through um, six and a half weeks of radiation treatment. So I had A to Z. Um, I just didn't have a mastectomy. But um, I'm saying that because, you know, the journey is long. It was very hard to... it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And so, you know, looking back 14 years, it's really a blessing to still be here. But I, you know, I challenge any woman and, you know, not just because this is the month of October, but all throughout the year, um, get that mammogram. That is not, there is no excuse. I don't care if there's a pandemic going on. I don't care that you thought that you had all these other priorities. Mm -hmm. You are still a priority. You have to be the biggest advocate for yourself and for your health, and you have to take that accountability because, you know, if I had just poo-pooed that away continuously, um, I would have missed my daughter graduating from high school and going on to college. So there's all those things on the other side you're not thinking the big picture of if I don't, what this means. Mm-hmm. It, my husband would have been okay eventually. My daughter, without me, I, I don't even want to know what that looks like. And mm-hmm. so be, you know, be about yourself. That's mm-hmm. my message. Yeah, definitely. Because then you're not going to be here for the people that need you. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. so very important. So walk me through when you find out what what emotions are you going through at that particular point in time? Because this has to be devastating news. Um. I think every emotion that you had, all of them. <laughs> I mean, you're angry, you're sad, you're confused. Um, for me, at, at that time, I was, it was very, like, confusing. Like, I remember asking my dad, like, do I have, it was in June, I'm, no, when was it, May, that I, June I found out. I remember asking my dad, um, 
will I have time to like plan for my birthday? Like that was like one of the questions I asked him. Like just because you don't know like what the future holds. So I was just like, after I got, but after I got through all those emotions, I was like, how do I fight this? You know, like, um, and then also it made me like really, really dig deep in my faith Mm -hmm. because, um, just because like you need like something to depend on. You need something that will, um, keep you through the journey. And, our pastor, Pastor Dunn, like the church we went to when we grew up, he always used to tell us there's a miracle in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Like you have to speak what you want, basically. Like you ask God for what you want. And then also you just have to be positive just because you can't get through it if you're not going to be positive. So um, I just remember the like all those emotions, anger, sadness, confusion. Um, but I was thankful because I had my parents there and also had my husband and I had my son there just because um it was just funny how everything came together because like my mom and dad live in washington but like when everything happened they just happened to be there you know Mm -hmm. so like god Mm -hmm. knew what he was doing like when he set everything up like he knew that i couldn't go through by myself that we couldn't go my family couldn't go by go through it by ourselves so it just like um just having faith in god like romans 8 28 or like psalms 34 i believe it is like whatever thing whatever is pure um think on those things basically Mm -hmm. so just like training your mind to focus on the good things and even if you don't believe in god it's like it's very important that when you're going through something bad think of the positive things in life and also like when you hit like those little milestones like you get through something celebrate that because at first sometimes i didn't do that like i was like when i first went through the surgery and they said i did really well i was like okay let's go let's get to the next thing but at the same time you have to celebrate those moments because like some people i mean even though they have like a set plan for you like what your treatment is going to be some things come up sometimes and you can have complications and you might not make it through it Mm -hmm. but like when you make those little when you make that progress you should celebrate it still so it was just like a a mental thing like you have to really train yourself and you realize that sometimes you're not the most positive person sometimes that's that was me mm-hmm. because like sometimes you run into like little things in life and sometimes your confidence gets to, or you, you lose your confidence in yourself but like with this process it helped me realize that like I said I am stronger than I think and then also you have somebody that's helping you through it so mm-hmm. that's my process my thought process so um just to add on to what she said uh the one time that I think I really broke down, I was so hurt, was the day that I had to have my hair shaved. Yeah. Um, I had cut it real short in preparation, knowing it was going to fall out. But that <clears throat> particular day when it was like, boom, today's the day, mm-hmm. and we had to take it all off. And I was so hurt because I wanted to believe that I could keep my hair because our identity is attached to our hair right. um, as women. And so I just never forget um, when it was being shaved off, my daughter was actually sitting next to me and she laid her head down in my lap. And it was like God was saying, I got you. I'm concerned even about you losing your hair and what that means. But you know what? Um, It was an awakening, an empowering moment because I decided I was not going to wear a wig um, and I did that to show that, listen, I, I need to display what God is doing for me in my life. And so what? I don't have hair. I am not my hair. Jill Scott came out with that 
song or it was India Irie that said, I am not my hair. And I listened to that and I was like, that's who I am. I'm here Mm -hmm. in the fight of my life. And who cares? I get to people can look at me and ask those questions and I can talk about it. And at that moment to today, I still am encouraged to just walk up to people and, and acknowledge, you know, and just acknowledging that the fight is on, that you're still there. And, and I just tell people, I'm 14 years later, when you're going and you're starting in that um, transition in your life, look at me. This is 14 years later. Now, my hair is short because I choose to keep it short. And she cut it when I... And I cut (laughs) when she... Yeah, I I trimmed mine down. I thought about cutting it, but I'm like, I don't think I'm cute enough to be... (laughs) You just never know what you... Until have you, you seen have my to, head? I have a big head. But I'm just saying, you <laughs> never can say what you can't do until you have to um, cross That's that true. bridge. Mm-hmm. So anyway, like I say, it's just uh, I'm grateful to be here and I'm grateful to be able to share. And that's the other side thing that I do. And I take it very seriously um, is reaching out to those. I've reached out to women on my job and supported. I've done it at my church. I've had people to call me from near and far and say, can you talk to so-and-so about their journey? And it's a journey. It's frustrating because it feels like it's the longest year of your entire life. And you can't rush anything. Everything is a process. Mm -hmm. But you do celebrate every milestone. Right. And I want to say thank you to Michelle. You were there for a very big support for me. And then, like, my Israelite family, the Mm -hmm. family I grew up with, um, you guys were just amazing. Like even like I didn't know certain things that I needed and Michelle or Missy um would pop up and just or even the conversation, like me and you we had a conversation like almost every week. You would call me and it would just at that time when you call me it would just be like a uplifting of my spirit. So I just oh, don't make me Thank cry. you. I know. Yes. <laughs> I but we're just, just like it was so amazing. Happy. Like even like you don't think about or think sometimes you don't think that people really think of you like that, you know? And it's like when everybody um, you're about to cry. It's 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 really okay. Yes, everybody. These are, that, yeah, these are <laughs> these are very very happy tears. Yes. We're celebrating life, right? You know, because we can't imagine life without Angel. Um, just like people couldn't imagine life without me and and Missy Wilkinson. If you're listening today, we can't imagine life without you either. Without any of us, and so we become. Um, to wear this badge of survivor, and I've I've got this T-shirt on, and <clears throat> it says survivor, and it's something that I wear proudly because really it's all about being blessed to still be here and to share. And so my challenge moving forward for every survivor is make sure that you are reaching back and helping mm-hmm. someone else to share your story. Don't hold on to that because. Every experience counts. And for a person who is going through treatment, so here's the other thing. You keep up on your mammograms. Do that. We haven't talked about that. So that detection in that mammogram is so important. Know your family history. Um, Know that not every journey, not every cancer is going to be the same um, but make sure that you ask those questions. You are your biggest advocate for people who are going through treatment. Those, you know, we're not a pariah just because we're bald. 
<laughs> We're not a pariah. But then don't say dumb stuff. Let me throw Please. this in. Please say nice, encouraging things. And when I say don't say dumb stuff, I know of someone who <laughs> in their family, uh, their sibling passed away. And so what they said was, oh, you know, my sister had that and she died from it. What? What are you going to say that? Yeah. Did you actually Jeez. say that? That's not helping. <laughs> or, yeah, so-and-so had it. And, you know, it came back 20 years later. No, 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 no. Don't don't say, no. And I understand Just, people try to connect with you, like say that I know somebody that went through it with you too, but that's definitely not the thing to say. You just be no, definitely not. Especially if it to, wasn't a positive outcome. Right. Oh no, just keep it that mm-hmm. keep it positive. That is so very important because you're helping to strengthen and to encourage and to let them know that they can just go on. Just I used to get cards in the mail from my surgeon saying I'm praying for you. That just did a lot. Mm-hmm. And I have a shadow box um, in my office at work of my journey. I've got the the card, one of the cards that my surgeon used to send. I've got, when I, you f- finish cancer, you ring the bell. Mm-hmm. But then there's a, a healing stone that they mm-hmm. gave me at the time. Mm-hmm. And there's a picture that I have in there of myself and my daughter. I look just like you. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, is just so cute. She was only four years old. But that um, shadow box means as much to me as any accolade that I have received in my mm-hmm. professional career because that's a little bit further beyond um, what my world was. And through faith... And I thank God. So I'm going to give a shout out to our former pastor, Bishop Roosevelt Dunn, Mm. because he was a man of faith. And he always said, you have a miracle in your mouth and trust. You have what you say. And you have what you say and trust. We recited that. I know she did. Mm -hmm. Um, We recited those words. And my scripture was Psalm 16 and 1. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. And it was just so important to latch on to the positive. Negative people, I mean, if if you see um, cancer survivors or in treatment, if you see us in closing in and we don't want to talk, it's probably because we are really focusing on ourselves and we have to mm-hmm. in order to get better. I was going to ask a different question, but both of you are mothers. Mm-hmm. A lot of women that go through this are mothers. How do you walk your children through this in a way that they understand um, that they're not sad, but hopeful. What did those conversations sound like? Cause I know Richard, mm-hmm. he's young. He's Rachel four. at the time mm-hmm. had to be four. She was four. Yeah. Same age. So um, it would be a different conversation if Rachel had been older. So what I made sure I did was to make sure that I kept her life as normal as possible. Um, and even if it meant she's being entertained by someone else today, but you can't disrupt their world because she really wasn't old enough to understand anything beyond something's going on with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, that's too big of conversation to have at her age. Mm-hmm. Um, but most certainly, 
you know, if we were in a different time and space and she was old enough to understand, um, she was a worrier too. And so I would have to break that down to her, but give her the assurance, you know, mommy's going to be okay. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that that's probably the message. Mm -hmm. And your attitude determines your altitude. Those are not just um, words, but even in treatment. So if we stay as positive, we have days, there's no positivity available today. Come Mm -hmm. check me tomorrow. Um, But as long as we stay positive, I think that it makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Um, With me and Richard, he like my, like my, he goes everywhere with me, basically. Besides when we were at work and at school, he's like always up under me and he always, he kind of said something, he knew something was wrong. Um, of course, he didn't know exactly what it was. I kind of told him that mommy was just, um, I kind of, I use, I said mommy is sick right now and mommy has to go to the doctor's office because like we were up in, we were in the springs, we weren't in Pueblo anymore. And um, he knew something was wrong. So he would start asking questions. I was like, mommy is sick right now, but mommy's going to the doctor to get everything taken care of. Mm-hmm. So um, that's all I really need to tell him. And then like, um, as far as like when I was having my down days, he was like right up under me or like when I had my had um I think it was my sec my first or second chemo treatment and um I was in bed to lay down all day, he would be right there beside me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Mommy is gonna be okay or like do you need mm-hmm. anything? Try to bring me bring just try to cater to me. It was just so cute. But um that's basically all we did. I told him that I was sick and that um mommy had to go to a lot of doctor's appointments. So sometimes you can't come with me just because you I mean, besides the pandemic he couldn't come with me. So I just had to let him know that and just kind of comfort him that way. And sometimes he did have moments like when, um, he would, I had to go to the hospital one time and my mom was with him. He would wake up and he asked for me, but my mom was able to comfort him. So I think you got to tell them like, a, something's wrong. They don't like sugarcoat it. Tell them something's right. wrong. But also, like she said, don't like disrupt their world. Like if somebody else needs to watch them, have or reach out to people, mm-hmm. um, and use every resource that you have basically. Mm-hmm. So that's good to know. So the journey of surviving cancer, any type of cancer is very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to know from both of you, what is the biggest revelation? What did you discover about yourself through the process? I discovered that I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was. Mm-hmm. And to a point where that not being afraid to try Part um, has led me to do things like, I don't know, zip lining across the Royal Gorge Bridge. I've done that. That's scary. (laughs) 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 No? No. Okay. (laughs) But yes, um, it, it really changed my life forever. And it's also put in perspective about what is important. And what's not important. So some of the things I used to worry about prior to um, when you have had to walk this journey, you put into perspective what is important and what is like, that's just silly. Um, Mm -hmm. Why are you worrying about that? Um, And so I think I found my voice. I wasn't quite sure what my voice was back then. But I know what my voice is now, and I know when to speak up, and I know when it's time to, you know, fight for things and what to fight for. Right. So that's what's changed for me. 
like she said, um, that I'm stronger than I think. And then also, um, I had to really check my mindset like during the entire thing. And I realized that sometimes I, when I start worrying, like you just start thinking of the worst case scenarios and your mind just runs with it if you don't control it. So I think that um, I learned that I knew that you can, I thought that I couldn't control my thoughts, but you can. And um, just being, I have to be more positive. I would, I would say that would be one of the things I learned. And then also, um, like she said, not worrying about the little things, mm-hmm. like certain things that is not something that you need to worry about. Cause in reality, like even if you don't have cancer, you don't know when you're going to leave this earth. That's right. Like mm-hmm. you can, you can be perfectly healthy and then, the next day be gone. Right. I remember looking at Facebook. There was this girl or somebody follow. One day I see her posting and the next minute I see RIP. Just like, you never know. Like, so it's like certain things you don't need, you really don't need to worry about. I think this pandemic taught us all that as well. Yeah. Like certain mm-hmm. things just aren't, sometimes you don't need to give energy to certain things. Yeah. So, um, I think that was one of the things I learned. And then I just like, what's really important to me. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest revelation I would say. So, you get the biopsy, you're diagnosed, you go through the surgery, then you go through radiation treatment. What is one thing you wish you knew before you started all this? Mm. Mm. I don't know if there's anything I wish I would have known before, yeah. but I just, um, I don't know if it's anything I wish I would have known before. Other than what I've already spoken to about mm-hmm. realizing that cancer was, I have a real cancer history in my family, and probably it was the dawning of the, ooh, that one year procrastination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a lot to process. It definitely is. That, that, that's a lot, and I, I still really... I still process that. Mm-hmm today 14 years later um but you know when i was on the table getting radiation treatments and these people the caregivers i will speak to this the caregivers um because you know basically you're trusting someone else to handle something that you don't know exactly what they're doing you just know that they're taking care of you But then you have all these caregivers who are so compassionate about your treatment. They make you feel like no one is more important Mm -hmm. in the world at that moment than you are. And even your caregivers at home, your family, your church family. um, I I always want to give a a shout out to them about the importance of their role because they are sacrificing along with you. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give a shout out to your mom, yes, the caregiver, mom. because it is just so you can't, or you you can't minimize, you can't um, take away what they're also giving up on your behalf. Mm-hmm. And I will say this, we are survivors. Everybody does not survive. Um, and so a caregiver who has given and then the equation turns out that the person doesn't make it. And then the caregivers, that's all that they've been doing. And it's like, what am I supposed to do with myself next? Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're comforting and seeing about them, too. Because mm-hmm. as patients, we're being very well taken care of. But right. the caregiver, that's all that they're doing. 
And, and it can be stressful. It is. Yeah. It can be stressful. It can in marriages, in relationships, people can have mental breakdowns, and there's just a plethora of things. So I want to also give a shout out to them too because their role is extremely appreciated, and we just thankful for them too. Yeah. So, what advice would you give other women that have been diagnosed and they're now starting their fight against cancer? I would say, like she was saying, advocate for yourself. Um, make sure when you find somebody or a doctor, or a doctor, or a team of people, or doctors that aren't, um, they don't have the sense of urgency that you have. Find another doctor because, um, like you said, that can. I mean, you need somebody that just is just as, cares about your life just as much as you do, if not more. Um, I also say, um, as you're going through the process, accept the help. I guess because, yeah. like, um. That's what if people want to reach out to you and help you, this is a time like when you need it the most. Mm-hmm. So I say um, accept the help and um, the people that are taking care of you. Be very grateful for them yes. and um, understand that they're going through the process with you. Even though they're not in the chair going through the treatments, they are they're still going through with you. So just make sure that um, you say thank you and also um just accept the help. Like you, mm-hmm. you're gonna need it. Like even though you think that um, there are moments where you'll be there, you won't be able to do what you usually do. So um, if somebody asks you if they want, if they can give you dinner, do that. Thank you, Stephanie Theory, <laughs> um, <laughs> Tina, my friend Tina. Um, it, um, if you need the help, just accept it. And then also, like we said earlier, stay positive. Um, really dig deep into yourself and just. Find the faith. There's faith. There's always hope in any situation. Um, my case, um, my stage was early. I had early stage breast cancer, but some women they find it is too late. But even when you find it and it's incurable, there's still hope in that situation. So I say, um, just always have hope. Um, always try to be positive there. And then also, I would say, whenever you feel, let you allow yourself to feel whatever you feel at that time. If you feel happy or enjoy the happy moments, um, when you feel down, don't wallow in it, but um, feel that. Don't ignore the feelings. And then there's one more thing. Um, as you're going through the process, you might think that it's going to be hard the entire time. Like you're going to be feeling sick the entire time, but there will be moments where you feel okay. So um, it's not going to be. As scary, it's scary still, but it's not as scary as you think it's going to be. If you, I mean, well, for me, it wasn't. There will be days of sunshine. Enjoy those days. And then when you have your downtime, take care of yourself and get your rest that you need. Okay. Oh, Let I'm me sorry. just add one more thing. Um, you don't know what the long-term effects of having had treatment are going to be. Um, so what I'm going to say that there's something, it's a real physiological, uh, something that's called chemo brain, in yes. which, you know, it, it took me a couple of years to get past my chemo brain, where I would start to have a train of thought, and all of a sudden I forget what it was I was going to say. It's yeah. called chemo brain. That's me right now sometimes. And so (laughs) what I would do to overcome it is that I would interject because I knew I wouldn't remember what it was I wanted to say in the midst of a conversation. And I wasn't doing that. You know, with all the things that can happen, um, 
I want to say that one day you're going to exhale. And it's like, oh, I feel like me again. Mm-hmm. It will come. There will be a day. And it's not going to happen just because we finished our treatments today. It's coming. Eventually it will come. There will be a new normal you, whatever that is. Um, but you will exhale. You will enjoy life. Um, the things that you enjoy doing, you will enjoy them again. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to give your body time to heal. Mm-hmm. But you will be yourself again. You're going to be your new self a better you because you don't have that part of your life. You've overcome and you've gone past that. So that's the encouraging part. That's good. That's awesome. Last question. So for friends and family, and you touched on this a little bit, um, who are trying to support you, what's the best way to support you know, so one of them is not saying, you know, crazy stuff like, well, I know somebody who that's not helpful. <laughs> um, and like, I remember, Angel, I think I called you on the day you were diagnosed. Yeah. I think like a couple days day after. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was going to have her on the podcast or something else. And then that happened. And I think even before that, like we weren't talking all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that's how you know you're good friends when you can go a long time without talking mm-hmm. and then come right. back. Yes. And then mm-hmm. I think I called yes. you probably twice a week or every week after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's the best way to support without, you know, overstepping or annoying you or, you know, what's how do how do we provide support? I will say, you know, I had this question from someone that I worked with once upon a time ago, his mother. Um got her diagnosis and he's like what what is it that I can say to her um how can I support her I said you know the one thing that you can remind your mother often is that she's beautiful mm-hmm. those words just mean everything no matter whether I have hair on my head um I had some other changes that I went through where my nails darkened mm-hmm. um my hands they're nice and this nice color now, but they actually had turned brown in my hands and my feet. Um, but just to hear the words, I love you, no matter what you look like, you're still beautiful. You're still, I still mean, you still mean the world to me. Those, those words, when a person is in their dark, darkest moments, to just be reminded, um, you can reach out and send cards and just say, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. Um, um, you know, you can do this. I support you. Just getting those cards in the mail, um, just to, to read that, to just reassure you that, okay, I'm, I'm not walking alone. Mm-hmm. Those, those are things that are just very encouraging. Mm-hmm. I think that's what she said was good. And also... Um I feel like sometimes, like, when or when people first heard that I was diagnosed, like, sometimes they were, like, scared, and they kind of look at you like you're about to die, and they kind of, like... A pariah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kind of, like... <laughs> yeah. They don't back up, but they kind of back up. They call you, but they don't want to have a conversation. They just like, I'm just calling to check on you. How are you doing? But they don't kind of, like... They don't share their lives with you as well. They kind of just want to know... They just want to pry, kind of. 
And I think that sometimes you're not, sometimes you don't always want to share or mm-hmm. talk about that just because it's constantly on your mind. Sometimes you want to talk about something else. So I think when you call, like just kind of make them feel like they're not. Like they're normal. They're normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. talk about like what goals you're, what goals you have or what goals they have. Um, try to just keep them like moving forward. Cause sometimes I know for me, like when everything happened, I would just want everything to stop, but I just couldn't plan ahead you know what i mean it was hard for me to plan ahead because i was just like i don't it's like you don't know like you don't know like if you're gonna make it but like just help them kind of move forward and and also just don't call and pry like just don't call and just ask questions about the diagnosis ask them they want to talk about it first Mm -hmm. and um share like share share what's going on in your life as well just don't pry Mm -hmm. um and i also think like she said, tell um, encourage them, let them know they're beautiful while they're going through the process, and that they can they can do it. Because um, I know, like, just yeah, just let them know they can do it. Cause I know sometimes I would just cry with my husband, like at night. That would be like the worst time for me, like because like everything's everything's like done, and like you're just there with your thoughts, so it gets overwhelming sometimes. So um, just being able to cry on your cry on their shoulder. I'm about to start crying again. <laughs> oh, girl. Um, just be able okay. to like open up about it and then just be there for them. Um, you know, yeah. you're beautiful when you shed them tears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been crying a lot. So. <laughs> and I remember that's what I tried to do. Yeah. It's just like when I would talk to Angel, we're just not even going to talk about that. We're going gonna to make you laugh. We're going to talk about just normal stuff. Right. You know, because everything else in your life is probably out of whack. So you want some sense of like normalcy, yes. right. you know, at least yes. with your friends. Um, so that's, that's really good. Yes. Ladies. Thank you, man. This was awesome. Was it? Yeah. I'm so glad you guys came. It was such a, this yeah. is probably one of the best, best episodes. Y'all got me to cry. And, you know, I don't be trying to be emotional. I don't like to oh, cry. I, yeah. that ugly cry stuff. Uh-oh. I ain't finna <laughs> ugly cry now. <laughs> It's gonna be a cute little teardrop. Right. About I just don't want to mess up my makeup today. Right. Um, well, awesome. Thank you guys for for coming. Um, if someone's going through this, do you mind if they reach out to you on social media? I, I would want, I them, want to, them to please. Yeah. Okay, and where can they find you? Facebook, Facebook, and Instagram. And Instagram. Okay. Angel yeah. Smith, you Angel guys, Rathel. and Angel Rathel. Angel Rathel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I keep forgetting. It's R A T H E L L. Angel Rathel. Mm-hmm. And yeah. mine, my Facebook is uh, Michelle Hill. And I believe my Instagram is Mrs. T L Hill to you, the number two oh, yeah. letter U. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can find them yeah. there. <laughs> I have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one thing I just thought of that I wanted to mention I know we're supposed to be rapping, but. I remember one thing you mentioned to me, like mm-hmm. you were online trying to find groups of women. Oh, yeah. And I think what you told me, like, when you're trying to find some support, just be careful with that stuff because it can be more discouraging than it is helpful. And also, like, when you're going through the process, like when you're talking to, um, they'll recommend, like, support mm-hmm. groups to you. So I think that is if you're ready for that, um, join those groups. And if you're going to look on the internet, just don't go get, get into the rabbit hole. Because sometimes you'll find stuff and you'll find, it just scares you sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not ready for it. Right. So, I think that if you like, take the support groups that the doctors are offering you, um, I think that helps out a lot. Right. And I know I, I um, 
was going to get into one organization. I won't mention their name, but when I attended um, a meeting for them, it felt very catty. Mm. And I'm not that kind of personality type. And actually, it turned into, well, what kind of cancer did you have? Oh, well, I had this, 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 and this. Like, it's a trophy. Like, you know, oh, you just had that. Well, I had this. It's like, this what? is stupid. I'm not doing I'm not I'm not doing that with you. That's crazy. So yeah, be very intentional. Um and when you're ready to do that, do that. But if you're not, you're you're not compelled to have to. Right. Um no one has a bigger support than your in family mm-hmm. and maybe your church family mm-hmm. and a couple of friends. Close friends. But and if you got that, oh baby, you got the world right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, ladies, for coming on the show. And Angel, I think this is your first time actually telling your story. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. thanks for spilling it here. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it. Um, so everyone, um, again, make sure that on YouTube that you like and subscribe. Um, for my listeners out there, make sure that you rate and review. Again, it does make my show more discoverable when you do that. And also engage with me on social media. I'm on all platforms: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. I'm on there. And we're also streaming on all platforms as well. So Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever you listen to, I'm on there. Um, So as usual, I always like to close with the scripture. And I actually did come prepared because sometimes I'll be forgetting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's Galatians 6, 8 through 9. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not be wearing well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So stay in the fight. Stay encouraged. And until next time, we'll see you guys then. Thank you. Bye.